Hi, Darren Hunter here. Welcome to this audio, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Property Managers. Some of my best teaching, but just be aware, the morning that I did this session speaking at a conference, I woke up with a really, really bad throat infection. Listen carefully, you can hear it that I was training a bit, but some great teaching. Hope you enjoy it. Don't forget to go to pmpowerkeys.com. That's pmpowerkeys.com for 25 ways to reduce and eliminate interruptions. Take care. In my career as a property manager, I've been a senior property manager. I've also been state property manager for elders, managing 28 property managers, over 18 offices, over an area where my nearest property manager was 50k away and the furthest was over 3,000. Quite a distance. And for me, when it comes to recruitment, we couldn't always get experienced people. So I had to learn to know what a good quality property manager was without experience. In a way, I had to understand what are the key ingredients that makes a good property manager. And that's what we're going to teach in this session. So what does the ideal property manager look like? When it comes to <laughs> me, pick me, pick me. Oh, I love you people. You're so funny. And you guys are hot anyway. You're certainly the most progressive property management group I've seen in any real network in Australia. All right? You guys are very serious about property management. Always proud to be associated with you guys. So what are the key ingredients that make a successful property manager? One, these are the seven things that I have when we actually put the property manager, we put them on the slab and we chop them up into bits. And these are the key ingredients. Uh, don't do that, guys. I know I'm from South Australia. We are known as the bizarre murder capital of Australia. All right. The city of churches, bit of a contradiction. I don't put property managers on a slab. But when they're in their bits, these are the key ingredients. That if I have a person that excels or is really good in these key ingredients, I know we have a good property manager. Certainly when it comes to recruiting and helping principals recruit property managers, we have key effective questioning technique on all of these key ingredients and we rate them on all of these key ingredients. One, customer service focus and care. Time and task management skills. Communication and conflict management skills. Accuracy and attention to detail. Initiative and problem-solving skills. Professional presentation and manner. And lastly, a positive attitude. If we have people that are missing one or more of those things, we do run into trouble. There are some people out there that excel in six of these things and perhaps one isn't so good. And that is their downfall. But a good, quality, competent property manager is strong in these areas. Look at the first habit, customer service, focus and care. Well, it's the ability to focus on the client, the way they think and the way they understand their needs. And you did that session this morning. Well done. All right. Do you understand your clients a lot better now? Yeah. Understanding the care factor and have a sense of urgency to fulfill their needs and solve a problem because, as we said before, all our clients want is peace of mind. Did you know two things? People hate problems and people don't like parting with money. Did you know that? <clears throat> and every one of you here do not like parting with money at all 
under any circumstances. But if you have a need that can only be solved by buying something, you will do it. Why? Because the need means you have a problem and people hate problems. So let's talk about a particular situation. You've just filled up in your car and you're going down the highway. Are you thinking about filling up if your car is already full? Do you have a problem at the moment? Do you have a fuel shortage problem at the moment, people? No. So you're not thinking about spending any money at the moment in regards to fuel, are you? But later on, a couple of days later, that little needle on that fuel gauge has migrated down next to the E, the E. And you know there's a little bit of space under that before something's going to happen. And you're starting to feel a little bit stressed. What are you thinking about at this stage? <laughs> you think about the price of fuel. <laughs> all right? You don't think too long on that one, all right? Someone else? I need to find a petrol station or what's the alternative? Getting stuck out on the Mitchell Highway or the Quinana Highway, out of fuel, big pain, very hard, very expensive now. It's going to co cost a lot more than fuel. So the alternate cost is, hey, we better go and fill up and solve our problem, correct? Yeah. you now got peace of mind again. You're doing it for peace of mind. So understand your clients pay you for what's called peace of mind. Understand that they have invested and taken a risk. We've talked about this before, but understand they've taken a risk and we need to respect that because most people in Australia will never take the risk. Most people in Australia are very happy to go from being employed from a company to being employed by Centrelink called pension. So we need to have some level of respect for these people that perhaps don't want to be employed by Centrelink. What the client is concerned about are three things. Understand how your client is wired, particularly at the management agreement stage when they sign up. Three things is what they care about. Best rent, best tenant in the quickest possible time. That's what they care about. And that's what they're focused on, and that's what they're thinking about. Understand that. They may not be thinking about how lovely your statements look. They may not care about that at the moment. They care about that. And it's placing yourself in the client's shoes and understanding how they feel. You need to under-promise and over-deliver. So, if you have a client that you know you can solve their problem by Wednesday... I'll, Mr. Smith, I'll get back to you by Friday. When you get back to them on Wednesday, you've exceeded their expectation. You give them a sense of value, a sense of satisfaction through that. You've exceeded their expectations. You give them a good service experience. Go over and above to solve a problem. I can't stand it when companies throw the line at me, but it's company policy. Really? a company policy for you to be a moron? Because this is some of the stuff that I hear sometimes. That you know, people can't bend or just don't think and it's just that government bureaucracy thinking where we need to actually put that aside and go over and above to service that client need. Whatever it is. Every problem does have a solution but the more you have positive thinking and not thinking negatively the more your mind will switch into creative mode and it will find the solution.
but your mind cannot get into the creative mode when it is negative. When you are positive, enthusiastic, and you know you can find a solution, you will find it. But it will never happen if you're negative. That's the most, what's one of the important issues of why you've got to have a positive attitude in this job. Definitely in property management. You need to stay positive. You agree? Yeah? There are things that happen in this job that, that, that can certainly bring us down. All right. Keep your client thoroughly informed with their problems and issues and always maintain their peace of mind. I know we've covered it before, but remember, when problems and issues come in, the peace of mind, it becomes unstable. Your communication keeps it stable because they know you're there looking after them through this bumpy time of turbulence. Do you like turbulence in a plane? No? You get a bit jittery? When problems and issues come in, the outside of expectation, your landlord's clients go into a phase of turbulence. And they need the smooth, calming voice of their property manager, just like their airline hostess that's smiling out the front, though the plane's falling out the sky. With It's okay, people, in the unlikely event of... I just made all that up. That wasn't even in my notes. That was a free one. Okay. I must admit, I did it, my last time I was in Perth, I flew from Perth to Adelaide, but then there was a problem on the plane. When you see the pilot come out from the cockpit, leave his co-pilot there, walk down the aisle to go down to the back and speak to the girls, it's like, okay, what's going on here? And I heard him say something like, something's not working. And then you know what I do? I then look at the faces of the airline hostesses. And some of them weren't too sure. And it's like, okay. And then one gets on and starts talking. She's not reading from a script. She's, she's got ad-lib going here. And they said that the plane has a mechanical problem. It can't land in Adelaide. It's going to land in Melbourne instead. That's where it's going to get fixed. The next important habit of a property manager is a good property manager has effective time and task management skills. Without this skill, without the first habit, you can't keep your client's peace of mind because you are an object of stress for them if you don't care about their needs. This one here, time and task management, if you choose not to have good task and time management habits and skills, you are going to create a mess in your department where you'll be now working part-time to fix the mistakes of yesterday, which means you're now only working part-time with the issues of today. Therefore, a good property manager has to have effective time and task management skills, and if they don't, this industry is not for them. Firstly, a good property manager writes everything down and chooses to remember nothing. There's too much going on in your head anyway. We get it out, put it on paper. We always make sure our head contains no information rolling around like clutter. Because too much clutter jammed into your brain, you know what it does? It causes stress. And if you understand about stress and what it actually does to the body and the effect that it has on the mind, the emotions, the body, everything, it's actually more healthier to smoke cigarettes because at least you're getting less issues 
than what stress will do to your body because stress is the biggest killer, certainly in the United States, and we, would be no, we wouldn't be far behind because it's connected to heart disease. It's connected to depression. It's connected to things like shingles. It's connected to moodiness. It's connected to weight gain and obesity issues. It's connected to weight loss. That's what stress does. There's about 30 to 40 different things. Smoking hasn't even got that list. Also understand a good property manager with task and time management skills plans each day because they understand for every minute in planning their day ahead means that they save 10 minutes in execution of their tasks later on. They can save up to an hour, an hour and a half of task execution by simply planning what they need to do for the day. They work only in priority because a good property manager knows there is far too much to be done in what's in their to-do list to get it done in a day. So we know that property management is actually priority management. We just got to know what we've got to do now. Five minutes time, half an hour's time, later on this afternoon, what needs to be done tomorrow, next week, next month, and get it all in the right order. That's what good prioritization is. They do the same task in the same time block. So, for example, as an, an analogy, I'm staying in a motel at the moment, <clears throat> and usually with the work I do in Perth, I'm here five days a month, which means I've got five shirts with me that need ironing. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to pull the ironing board out. I'm going to switch on the iron, get it all warmed up get the ironing board open, pretty creaky. They're usually different in these hotels. Warm the thing up, get one shirt out. I'm just going to do the one shirt. And then, and then when I finish the shirt, switch the iron off, put the iron back, put the ironing board back, and the next morning do it all over again and do it individually, five shirts individually over five days. Or what's a better way of doing it? Doing it all at the same time. Because after shirt two or three, I've now got speed. I've got accuracy because my mindset's now getting used to just doing shirts. The same applies to property management, that the same type task is done far more effectively when the same type task is done in the same time block. When you're just doing repairs and maintenance, you get speed and accuracy if you're just doing that. But when we're doing a little bit of rent arrears here, a little bit of repairs and maintenance here, a little bit of tenant selection here, it all gets messed up. We actually start going at three times slower the rate than what we could be. And then we go to the boss and say, we're too busy, get us another body. And they get busy. A good property manager has regular time out and understands that they need to be available and also, as importantly, they need to be unavailable at certain times where they cannot be answering the phone and they cannot be attending to the blow-in appointments that come in unannounced at front desk. And they have a boss that supports that, hopefully. They control interruptions by education and by control. Simply they realize that someone's going to be in control of their agenda. It may as well be them. Because if not, they are going to be out of control with other people dictating when their appointments are going to be. They're going to get interrupted a lot. The phone's going to ring. And before you know, they feel out of control, which also is a source of stress. All right, they are in control of their agenda, not somebody else. Again, watching TV is it a hassle when someone else has the control and has the remote control? Or do you want to have the remote control? You do. The same applies in your tasks and the way that you structure your day. They understand that being organized is an essential skill. In fact, it is mental health because when they feel in control, they have a sense of, ah, oh, that feels better. 
and it gives your body and your mind a sense of well-being. And when you have that sense of well-being, your brain rewards you with feel-good drugs, good drugs or good chemicals into your brain that gives you that sense of I'm in control and I feel great. It's actually a state of mental health. But the opposite with stress will damage you. Your work bag, whatever you take out on the road, needs to have the right forms and tools with you to what you need. I could do a whole two-hour training just on that one, the things that you could have on the road. The desk. Let's go into your office now and have a look at your desk. The property manager with the right habits realizes that what they see, and if what they see is cluttered and disorganized with little sticket notes, with little eyes going, me next, me next, me next. And paper all over the place and those eyes going, next, I'm next, no, no, I'm next. It all creates brain clutter, which is a source of stress. And so they realize is they need to keep their desk organized. Every bit of paper has a place before it, before it goes and lives in the file or before it gets scanned and put into FileSmart. And it has a place. Everything has a place. And their visual periphery of what they see is clear and it's organized. And it has a sense of control and order. Their tools are, are, are within easy reach, whatever those tools may be. And therefore, they're spending little time looking for stuff. Because if we go to an office right now with a property manager whose desk is messy, is there any in the room here? No. <laughs> Every person has a reason why their desk is like that. If someone says, why is your desk so messy? They'll say stuff like, I'm, it's a sign of a busy mind. I know where everything is. Yeah, what else? I haven't got time. I'm busy doing more productive things. Everyone has a reason why their desk looks like it is, whether it's in control or out of control. There is a reason. To actually get a better looking desk, we have to actually get a better reason. And I hope the stress talk today has given you possibly a better reason that your current reason isn't good enough. If we can take that new reason and oversave your old reason, that's when we can get different results. But good property managers have a continuous desire to want to be more effective and efficient with their time. So, hands up. If you feel you'd like to be really a lot better, you really want to be better with your time management. Hands up. Okay. So, studies show generally, and I don't want to upset anyone, but generally the people that feel they can do a lot better are generally already pretty good. All right? I've been into offices, I remember three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I was in Queensland doing a business health check. And that officer had five property managers. And two, I could see through my staff interviews, weren't very organized. In fact, they were very disorganized. And they were the most experienced property managers there. They had spent the most time in the industry out of all of them. And I could see the attitude was really waning. And they were really bad on time management. And they were the ones that said they're flat-strap busy when the other younger property managers with less experience are actually getting a lot more done. So I said to the boss, 
I actually gave them my time and stress management pack. And I said, here, get copies for every staff member with the MP3 files and give a disc to every member and say, this will help you with better time management. And just tell them once. And in a week's time, ask who has actually listened to it. And the people that were already good had already listened to it. And the people that needed it the most didn't. Alrighty, so when I get principals say to me, Darren, can you come in and train time and task management? My people need tools and all this stuff. And I said, training can only go so far. Because if they don't want to learn, there's nothing you can do for them. They're really disorganized, but they don't want to change. Okay? You seen people like that? Let's talk about communication skills. It's the ability to communicate effectively across all platforms. Email, SMS, phone, mobile, and hopefully your Facebook inbox isn't one of those as well. Because that can be another platform I've seen. I've got my page, darrenhunter.com. We've got over 11,000 people on there. Um, I get people messaging me there on my Darren Hunter profile, all this sort of thing. It's like another thing I've got to manage. It's a bit hard sometimes. But know or knowing when email and texting isn't appropriate and know when to pick up the phone. This is an issue with more of our younger generation that have all the socializing in the world, all the friends in the world, and every night they're socializing on their mobile phone. And that type of mindset, and look, we've all got our mobile phones in our hands all the time now, correct? It's always there. It's just changed so much, and I'm one of those people also regularly looking at stuff. But also for our younger generation that haven't known any differently, just communicating by text and by email isn't good enough. Because you're dealing with ex-generation people, um, baby boomers, and smart Y generation people, they want phone calls as well. And you've got to need to know when the texting stops, when the emailing stops, and when you've got to pick up that phone. So when there's any type of emotion that any way starts to build, you've got to hop on the phone and diffuse it. Email and texting is just for straightforward communication. But otherwise, you get on the phone when any emotion starts coming in and you don't have this ping-pong, ping-pong, ping-pong misunderstanding you diffuse the time ticking bomb and pick up the phone and talk. Is that cool? Use video for repairs and complicated on-site communication. We talked about that before. Of course, video is going to explain a number of different things and display things that photos simply can't do. It allows you to show and to speak. And they can hear and they can see and get a far better clarity on the situation. Texting trades people and tenants where appropriate. Is everyone good with that one? What about when the tenant reports repairs, you get the repair work done with a tradesperson, give the tradesperson the work order. Are you then sending a text to the tenant to state that the repair has been organised? You don't hear back from the tradesperson within three days. Here is their name. Here is their phone number. Who's doing that? Okay, Now, the thing is, is that tenants are left in the dark a lot of the time. Do you think that they deserve the respect of that type of communication? 
All right, this is where the effective property managers are good with communication. All right, they're going that little step, and a text is neither here nor there in your day. I'm not telling you to pick up the phone and play phone tag. Tenants get written communication after inspections. I'm still surprised when I do health checks to see the amount of tenants that don't get any written communication after a routine inspection. Quite frankly, tenant gets the letter to state that they're having an inspection. The time's organized. Tenant spends a lot of work getting the property ready. They really don't know your expectations with the checklist, but they are very proud of their home. They spend a lot of time cleaning it up. You're, they're not there on the day of the inspection. You come in with your key, do the inspection, and you don't leave anything. How do you think they feel? There's no thank you, no nothing. You could have a tenant now with an unnecessary chip on their shoulder towards you that could come back later on in being difficult or another issue that you don't even realise was caused because you simply weren't grateful of them doing a good job for you. Things like that. Where we need to give tenants some sort of written feedback in that circumstance. Know when to give tough advice to your clients when it needs to be said because you've got more experience than them, you've got more foresight than them, you've dealt with these issues many times they never have, Sometimes what they say isn't in their best interests. And you need to say, Mr. Lanham, with all due respect, I feel that we need to do this because. Because these are the likely consequences and outcomes that could come out of that with that choice. Oh, really? Okay. You just do your job. If you're too much of a yes person because you're relying on the instructions from the clients, you're automatically assuming they know as much as what you do about the situation, and that's not the case. Relying on you to get it right. <clears throat> course, good communication skills, the ability to get into the client's shoes in difficult situations without being seen to be taking sides with the tenant. Scenario. Um, landlords getting upset because the tenant keeps on whinging about the repairs that need to be done. And the landlord is just not happy with the situation. And the tenant could well be within their rights and these repairs are genuine. And you can say to the landlord, look, Mr. Landlord, I'm sorry, but the Residential Tenancies Act in WA says it's your responsibility to make sure that the property is kept in a good state of repair. Is that true? Yes. Have you said the truth? Yes. Was your tone wrong? Yes. And now you've put the landlord offside. Alternatively, you could speak to the landlord and say, Mr. Landlord, I hear what you're saying and I completely agree with you. These people are going on and on and on about it all the time and I don't think it's right. However, the courts here or the tribunals here are very tough in this type of situation. And we've seen a situation where the tenant's taken it, they got a whole heap of compensation awarded to them and the owner also had to pay for the repair as well. And it got an incredible expensive repair exercise. So in light of that, we do need to get it done. I've got some really good, reasonable tradespeople at good rates. How about we just get them out there and get it done? Same message, different tone. Haven't lost the landlord. Tenant still gets what they need. 
And when landlords hear that the property manager is siding with the tenant, that's when they lose faith in you. Good communication. Is that a good point? All right. Returning emails on time and returning calls, even if you haven't got a solution yet. Sometimes giving nothing to the owner by email is not good enough. It could be just responding, I've got your email, haven't been able to get to it yet, I should have an answer by 12 noon tomorrow, when you know you could actually get it by 9.30. Remember, under-promising, over-delivering as well. Good communication. Being transparent and honest with bad news and not procrastinating on it. Don't we love that procrastination, hey? But everybody here procrastinates. I still procrastinate on some things because some things are a little bit overwhelming to me that might be different from the things that overwhelm you in different circumstances, but we just got to recognize when we're procrastinating because suddenly things that we never would do, we're now ferreting in our inbox looking for things to do when we know we should be getting those big things done. We're actually diving into the inbox looking for stuff that hasn't been done for six months that now is priority. Aren't we all the same, aren't we? We're all the same. Understand that 95% of conflict is because of wrong or indifferent expectations. Conflict usually occurs when something happens outside of someone's expectation. Whether it was wrong or indifferent, it doesn't matter. It was outside of their expectation. This job is full of it. Diffuse conflict and do not inflame it. There are property managers are still happy or they feel that the best communication is simply to shout louder than the tenant. It doesn't work anymore. Understand that listening is possibly the best skill that you can use in conflict. Because they're upset and they're angry because they have been misunderstood. And listening diffuses that and simply listen to them genuinely. Pull them aside. Sit down and listen. And the temperature will come down rapidly. The more you listen, the more their talking level will come back down to normal. The more the heat is pulled out of the situation. And then the more you can get them to a level where now we can talk about the situation and come up with a solution. But listening diffuses that. In a conflict situation, give a genuine commitment to action and complaints. I can see you're upset. It needs to be fixed. We'll get it done by Friday. I will let you know. And you might think, well, I might get it done by Thursday. Okay, but action and complaint. Give a solution and what you are going to do. Take responsibility. Make sure it's your monkey to deal with and not somebody else, if that's appropriate. But take responsibility. Learn how to predict foreseeing an issue before it occurs. Again, a good property manager can see a missile coming in from the horizon. They can see that we've put a new tenant into the property, Mr. Landlord, but after three weeks, I'm starting to get a few issues that are coming up and they're already starting to get a bit tardy with their rent. just want to let you know that I'll be keeping a very careful eye on it. And getting onto issues quickly and letting landlords know quickly. Accuracy and attention to detail. Without this, you cannot be in property management. Am I making that clear? And that is why, in our real estate agencies, why a quality salesperson 
or even a really good business development manager should never be a property manager in a lot of cases. Because a good quality salesperson, a character trait, classic is they're not good with paperwork. But we cannot afford to have that in property management. Property managers in general are process workers. They're checklist people. They want the control. That is the trait of a good property manager. And in a lot of ways, that's why in a lot of cases we don't succeed in the environment of sales. Because we are the shepherds. We are the great shepherds. The salespeople, Daniela, are the hunters. And they go out and get the kill and bring it back. Don't they, Daniela? I know. I know you are just, you just completely contradicted everything I've ever said, and I know you're brilliant with paperwork. I am, because everything. I know. I love Daniela. She's funny. Okay. All right, this is a game changer. Accuracy and attention to detail, it's a game changer if you are not suited to property management. Insist on getting it done right now so that you are not double handling the issue later because of mistakes. So we dedicate ourselves with focus now to get the job done right now with no mistakes. For example, before we send off an email, we got an attachment. Do you check the attachment again before you hit the send button? Who's learned by that one? All right. Double checking your work. File noting. Another great leader in this awesome state of Perth, well, sorry, in this city of Perth, um, she made a statement that in her office, if it's not file noted, it didn't get done. The task didn't actually get done or completed if it wasn't done with a file note. Having rules like that. Understanding that following a checklist gives you speed and quality, and that's the only tool that's going to get you that. Because a checklist allows you to do it quickly because you don't have to remember. But it gives you quality provided the steps are right. You can get it done right the first time. When we choose not to follow a checklist, we then make mistakes, issues, complications. That means at another time we now have to double handle the situation to fix it again. And it takes three to four times more time to fix it now with conflict, stress, and reaction. So my question to you is, you feel that you don't need to follow a checklist, what extra time have you got to double handle it later because it wasn't done right now? It's a good question, isn't it? You ain't got the extra time. So you may as well be dedicated to get it done right now so we don't double handle it later on. Or even worse, leave it up to someone else. But every little detail turns into something bigger later on. Every little thing left undone becomes a big issue later on. The good property manager is dedicated to getting the little things done because they know they turn into big things later on. You guys getting something out of this session? Yes. Cool. Ensure that you're thorough with all your paperwork, emails, system entries. Double check your work before it is finished. Double checking is the art of the effective property manager. Always double check before you're done. I'm always double checking. Do I get it wrong? Yep. Let me tell you one. Two days ago, 
I spoke at the National Rain and Horn Conference in Sydney. And uh, a couple of weeks before, I hadn't booked my accommodation that night before I flew to Perth. When I arrived at the hotel, they didn't have my listing, my bookings. Like, why not? Why? Because I booked it for Tuesday night next week. And it's like, it's a what-if mistake. They don't do refunds. Now, I was sweet and nice, and I brought out the champagne bottle that they gave me at the conference as a consideration to the situation. I've used wine, I've used... Um, a Toblerone at the airport when they want to charge me extra baggage. And chocolate works really well with the girls at Virgin, I can tell you. All right? But I made a mistake because I didn't double-check my date before. You've got to double-check all the time. But I know the amount of times where I've double-checked, I've saved myself so much time with complications. And initiative and problem-solving skills. All righty, this is an interesting one because... I've seen people employed, specifically a number of years ago, there was a rent roll that was bought by an agent and he brought the staff over. One was a male inspector. This particular gentleman, great positive attitude, great customer service ethic. There was possibly some attention to detail there, but boy, oh boy, when it comes to problem-solving initiative, he was one big fat zero. And really, he suited being a nice, sweet guy selling pies down at the local bakery. And I had the unfortunate job because the principal was too gutless. I had to sack him as their consultant for crying out loud because he didn't want to do it. And this lovely guy, I had to exit him from the office. That hurt. That really hurt. But he had a zero when it come to putting two and two together and effective problem solving. Coming, or let's just have a look at it. It's using your initiative, <clears throat> the ability to solve a unique and complex problem with a tailored solution to fit. Because there are a lot of things that happen in property management where the solution is different from what you've seen before. But you have to put it together. A real complex problem, put it together, focus and come up with a unique and tailored solution for that situation. That is the effective habit of a property, a good property manager. It's being able to use your knowledge and effectively source the knowledge of others as well and import it into the problem to then come up with that unique solution. Sometimes it's a team effort. But the more experience you have, the more you're able to do it on your own, though it's always good to bring in other or import other knowledge as well where you need it. It's your determination to get something done. It's your determination to come up with a solution. The solution then brings peace of mind for your clients because you're aiming for peace of mind. That is the end goal, to maintain peace of mind. You maintain peace of mind, they're not thinking about your fees at all, ever. doesn't matter how expensive you are, they're not thinking about it. All right, let's talk about professional presentation and manner. You are judged by how you present to your clients. And you might think, well, it's wrong to judge. Really? Maybe in public, maybe on the internet, maybe on social media but no one's monitoring what goes on in your head. And if you've got a half a million dollar investment as a client 
and you meet a property manager that has a hairstyle like they stuck their head out of a car traveling at 100 kilometers an hour or they've got enough metal hanging out of their head to not get through the Perth security at the airport. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be careful what I say, all right? But you need to make sure that you are not judged by your clients by the way you present. Dress for your client type. You might go to Albany, for example, and it may be okay not to wear a tie or wear a nice-looking polo shirt with your brand on it, and that may suffice. But that same polo shirt, get on a plane and come into Perth and start dealing with people in the CBD, is simply not good enough, and only a suit and tie will do. But you must dress to your client. I remember doing a listing appointment, and a landlord chose not to go with me because I was wearing a tie. Maybe you just had a personality clash. I don't know. Tattoos. Covering up tattoos and remove unacceptable piercings. Now, I want to be very, very careful here. I understand that culture is changing. I accept that. But visible tattoos, um, you just need to be careful. And I remember a property manager, a really good property manager in Queensland that I saw some weeks ago. She got a big one on her hand. And she regrets it now. And she's going to get it removed at some stage. And she likes tats, but you need to have them, you know, for her, she needs to have them in places where they're not seen. If you choose to have visual tats, you just got to understand some people may be judge, you know, judging you over it. Okay? I'm not against tats. But people do have different attitudes towards them. Um, <clears throat> removing unacceptable piercings. Tongue studs. When you're dealing with someone's Half a million dollar property, maybe a tongue stud isn't acceptable. Maybe something hanging out of your forehead maybe isn't acceptable. But you just got to work what is acceptable to your demographic. Is that cool? Focus on your hair and grooming. Focus on the way you look. Make sure you're not all ruffled and scruffy or look like you just got smashed the night before on a Monday morning. Or coming to work looking like you slept in your clothes. I've seen that one before. Or coming to work in your jeans that you would only do your gardening in. I've seen that one before. Or coming to work in a dress you'd only wear at the beach. Or, you want some more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Coming to work with your thongs on. And some very, very bad tanning jobs where we look like a Jaffa. As orange as a Jaffa. Someone's got to slap me about in lunchtime. I tell you, you've got 10, 12 minutes to go, okay? I'm going to be very sore afterwards. Someone's going to have a go at me about my old ways. All right, car presentation. People, if you rock up at a property and your car is dirty... Are you trying to tell the client that you'll keep their property clean? <coughs> really? The evidence is on show. If it's been a really wet week, that's cool. Who's a rural property manager here? Mud is the word, isn't it? It's cool. 
But at the next opportunity, clean where you can, but know that people will judge you on the way you present. Because if you're saying we'll make sure that the tenants keep the properties clean, you are showing evidence of that. I've come across property managers that stink of cigarettes. All right, you need to be careful of that. Look, if you smoke, I know half the property management population can't live without nicotine because that is the nature of our jobs. But make sure you don't reek of it. Okay, be careful of your breath, all those sorts of things. Young people, you may be judged for your age. Let me give you some advice. Because I was young once at 18 years of age managing people's property and I had an afro that would make Guy Sebastian jealous. <laughs> Who's seen my picture on my page? Yeah. I mean, Michael Jackson, the Jackson 5 would be asking me for advice. All right? Not anymore. <laughs> but young people, if you have a problem with people judging you for your age, hands up. The best thing that I can say to you is dress as conservatively as you can. Your hairstyle to be as conservative as you can on the job, and that will put some age on you. Alrighty? That's the best advice I can give you. Let's talk about attitude. When I'm helping principals recruit, when I'm taking them through the interview process with all the questions that are all hinged on all the different attributes and we score them on all the attributes that you've seen, when we interview, we don't ask nice, feely questions like, what are your goals in life? Or, you know, all that stuff and, and all that shiny stuff and that's the end of the interview. We go right in deep and you've seen the attributes that we're looking for and we dig deep on those things and we grade people on those things. But if they haven't got a positive attitude, it is a done deal. We cannot employ them. Because we, we employ on attitude, we train the skill. There are companies that are, that, that is what they do. Real estate companies have been in so successful because they're very, very careful on who they pick. They're slow to hire, quick to fire. They're looking for that person with that right attitude. I lived in a place called Wyala in South Australia. It's where I grew up. Has anyone heard of Wyala before? Okay, a lot of people. That's all right. But don't hold against me for growing up in Wyala. It's a bit like growing up in Armidale. And... I hope I didn't say the wrong thing there. <laughs> Some people may judge people for that. All right, driving into Wyala. It was, it's a hardcore working class town. Steel mining. Was shipbuilding. And in the shipbuilding days, they put this rudder at the gateway of Wyala as testament and symbolic of the shipbuilding days. Now, this rudder, massive in size, is very little on the back of a cargo ship, on a shipping container ship. You seen those? Those big things with those big boxes? Just imagine, all right? Your attitude... I'm going to wind back a bit. The rudder is so much size. So we've got a big boat. The rudder's on the back. And we've got quality goods... On the ship, we've got Mercedes-Benz, BMWs, Saabs, Lexus, all these quality goods on the ship. And the rudder is pointing the wrong way. If the rudder is pointing the wrong way, can the ship go in the right direction? 
even with the quality goods on board? I mean, we've got quality on board. Surely the quality goods would dictate that the ship should go in the right direction, shouldn't it? So we all agree it's that little rudder on the back. If the rudder's pointing the wrong way, that the ship could hit rocks, that the ship could founder. Are we all in agreement with that? It, despite what's on the ship. So property managers, despite how much experience you think you've got, how many qualifications you think you've got, perhaps you grew up on a better side of town or whatever, it means nothing if your rudder, your attitude is pointing the wrong way. Because your attitude dictates what you see. Your attitude dictates your performance and your results and how you will do those things but then give you the outcome. Your attitude is absolutely everything. That is the best thing that you have. 